Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of 16 Minutes. I'm Sonal, your host, and this is our show where we talk about the news, what's in the headlines, and tease apart what's hype, what's real from our vantage point in tech. So today we're talking about the news coming out of this week's WWDC Summit, which is Apple's annual worldwide developers conference, where they make announcements about products and features that are geared towards developers and builders, and it has implications for the future of technology, which is why we cover it on the show. And to be clear, none of the following should be taken as investment advice. Please see a6nc.com slash disclosures for more information. Furthermore, while many announcements came out of it, the one that we're going to focus on today is something called app clips, which basically are mini apps. The way I've been defining it is an app within an app, but let's actually break down what it is and isn't and why it matters, applications, limitations, all of it. And now let me introduce our guests. So on the A6 and Z side, we have general partner Connie Chan, who covers mobile, consumer, social, and also all things China. And then our special guest is Dan Fromer, the former editor-in-chief of Recode and the founder and publisher of The New Consumer, which covers how people spend their time and money. And obviously, consumer tech permeates all of that. And you can find that at newconsumer.com. Okay, help me put this in context. So we're 12 years into the App Store, and most companies, especially the big companies, all have apps, but people don't really download a lot of apps. You'd always hear that crazy stat that, The average iPhone user downloads zero apps per month or something like that. I'm sure I published that many times over the years. And there's a lot of friction into getting them. You have to go into the app store. You have to search for them. You have to download them. You have to open them. You have to remember to use them. You have to sign in sometimes or your location or or something. There's just a lot of bloat. They're big. And that's great because apps are super powerful now. But if you just want to get one thing done quickly, they're actually kind of hard to use. An example, like Starbucks app. It takes like 195 megabytes to download it. Whereas the limit on these app minis is they have to be under 10 megabytes, just to put that in context. But beyond the size, how would you guys actually define these app minis? This is kind of a trend because there's a lot of different variations that are playing out in the ecosystem. Android has something called instant apps. Snapchat just announced at their event two weeks ago, Snap Minis. And then we have on WeChat things called mini programs. Help me tease that apart. I will caveat that it hasn't been rolled out yet. So a lot of it is devils in details on how it actually gets implemented and what it actually will allow developers to do. App clips are very, very similar to the mini program ecosystem that WeChat launched in early 2017. It's often used for use cases where it's a fluid, lower frequency, one-time type of transaction. Like you don't need a separate application for every restaurant you go to, unless you're a diehard fan of a particular brand. You don't necessarily even need an app for every airline that you fly on. It's trying to decrease and take friction out. Notably, when it takes away the friction, the fact that it's being done by an operating system is actually really powerful because you can access these things before you even unlock your phone. A lot of times people get a taste of a service, and if they like what they see, then they might go and download the full application. One of the interesting things about the way app clips work is that if you don't use them, Apple will actually clear them off your phone. It's kind of like the difference between a web page and a website. And in fact, Apple's app clips are actually just part of a bigger app, but you're only loading that part, and that part has to be self-sufficient. Let's say Starbucks makes an app clip for you to be able to especially in this COVID period, stand outside a Starbucks and order a coffee and then pick it up from the window, you would not get the map. You would not get the whole rewards program. You would not get any of that. You would just get an app clip that lets you look at the menu, 
order a coffee and then pay for it. And that's it. Of course, they want you to use Apple Pay, which of course, then they want you to use the Apple Card. They want you to use Apple Sign-In. But the big idea is that this is designed for you to do one thing very quickly and complete that thing. For you both, looking at this from your vantage points, what are the most possible reasonable applications you might see happening here quickly and in the future? I think the big thing that excites me here is these kinds of mini programs, these app codes are going to be a bridge between the online and the offline world. And right now we have a world that we live in on our screens and then we have our physical worlds. But this is really the bridge that allows any product, any item, any service in the offline world to have an online presence. So I'm super excited for what kind of opportunities this opens up for traditional retailers, traditional businesses, restaurants, and so forth. Yeah, the examples that we're seeing so far are very literal, like, you know, order a salad or something like that. I think those are actually great use cases for app codes and mini apps. What I'm really excited about, though, are things that even we can't sit here and think up right now. Location, contextual gaming, art projects and cultural projects that happen to be triggered either by an NFC chip or a QR code or something like that, where just being in a specific place unlocks a digital experience. Of course, we talk about this all now with our phones as the computing device, but Apple is kind of also setting themselves up for the future where we're wearing AR glasses too. Instead of having to hold up your phone to an app clip, maybe even just looking at it might activate that experience. And that's where that speed and that really, really fast and lightweight experience matters so much even more. What I'm hearing you both say is that it's not just something that only happens in our mobile phones. And I love how you describe sort of a contextual layer because this reminds me of a concept that's like the successor of the original idea of a ubiquitous computing, this idea of context-aware computing, where you basically compute in the world, where the world is aware of your context and you're aware of the context as well. And it's all stitched together through this digital layer. So I want to talk now about really what it means in the physical and offline world. So Apple is introducing this thing called an app clip code, which we don't know a ton about it yet. It's this barcode that's proprietary to Apple. And then there'll also be these stickers that are available to place in the physical world that have both the app clip code on them and also an NFC chip that will trigger the app clip. They're basically a unique image shortcut to a particular experience. WeChat mini program codes are also circular concentric circles. There's like a main circle and that's your app logo. And then there's like these little dash tick marks that go around it. So basically these images, whether they're circles or squares or whatever shape they are, are just unique codes for a specific online destination. And that's the part that matters. The fact that each of them is unique and therefore recognizable by a camera. What I love about the circle is it reminds me of buttons and everyone who hears me talk about this stuff all the time knows how obsessed I am with world building. And to me, it's like buttons, like a portal to a world. Mm. Connie, in 2017, you actually did a tweet storm describing why you thought mini programs could be revolutionary. And you described them as bookmarks, online shortcuts dropped all over our physical world accessible by smartphone. So for me, it's like these are the buttons or portals to that, which is what I love connecting our physical and digital world. In this case, the interesting thing about the physical sticker is that not only is that web destination encoded, but the physical location of the sticker can also be encoded. And in fact, the developer will be able to confirm 
without even having to ask you for permission if you are standing where the sticker thinks you are standing. So it'll be able to prevent fraud. It'll be able to verify location. There's a lot of interesting location context that can be used. But if you go to Apple Maps and you go to a location of a restaurant, their whole idea is that you'd be able to activate the app clip directly from that screen. So it's attaching it to the context where it belongs and not just this kind of idea of this directory of apps. You know, one example could be really useful if you remember, I don't know, maybe it was like 10 years ago, Square made ahead of its time, like a really elegant app for ordering coffee and mobile payment at their network of independent coffee shops. And they eventually got rid of it because people just weren't using it. And I think a big part of that was that people didn't know it existed. You had to actually like go through the mental process of thinking, oh, I want a coffee. Is there a coffee shop around me that supports this Square app? And then have to go in and use it. Now you'd be able to just see a sticker even on the door of the coffee shop and then boom, launch that app clip experience. And all of a sudden, this independent small coffee shop that just happens to use Square would have the same capabilities that Starbucks or a huge chain would have. That really expands and almost democratizes the discovery of a lot of these new app-like services. The whole key about app clips is that you're discovering something brand new that you wouldn't have thought to go search for necessarily. You wouldn't know the name to search for. And therefore, discovery is going to shift to the offline world, which is why it's kind of expanding and democratizing discovery such that the physical retail stores, the physical services, those businesses are going to now have a unique shot, a unique distribution angle to really leverage their customers and build that relationship in an online way. Before, you had to have a great presence online. You had to know how to navigate the app store. And now if you're a restaurant that just has lots of patrons who love you, they can find you by finding the code in your physical store. And so it really expands the places that you can have these new touch points with your customers. Totally. I kind of liken this to the difference between push and pull. QR codes, you had to actually think several steps. Okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to open this, then I need to activate it, then I need to jump into this experience. Maybe that takes 10 seconds, but it's still friction. And if you just hold your phone up near the NFC tag and it does the work for you, to me, that's a friction reducer that almost makes this a push experience. And another interesting thing about app clips themselves is actually that if you're a mega app like Yelp or Ticketmaster or Fandango or someone like that, you can actually make app clips for all the businesses that are in your directory. So it's going to be very interesting to see which of the apps, A, does this because there is some work involved and B, is most successful with that. The big learning from the WeChat ecosystem in China is that it will take time. When they first launched in January 2017, the first couple months, you know, a lot of people were saying that this thing wasn't going to work. And that's because the first big batch of developers that kind of ran towards it were the developers of the already very large internet companies. And while there is some benefit in having this new distribution channel, the real magic unlocks when you're going after an app or a kind of service where the user doesn't already have the main app already installed. A lot of these magical experiences are unlocked only when some of these stores, businesses start realizing, hey, I can hire a developer and go build something like this. But small businesses, they shouldn't be making apps. Not every store should have an app. You know, it's hard enough for them to put up an e-commerce website. What's interesting about mini apps is that actually that small store on the corner can have an app clip without even actually having to make it because of any partnership they have with, whether it's an aggregator like Shopify or Resi or, or any of these companies. It can be a technology enabler for a business that simply is too small 
to make their own digital experiences and apps. Of course, that also gets us into this situation where we've seen with restaurant reservations and commissions and all that, where it can be a predatory relationship as well. So we'll see how that turns out. When you think of these big players doing this sort of thing, what is the reason they would want to do a branded app or have these kinds of partnerships? Like, I'm still not quite understanding that. I mean, you mentioned Shopify, but Shopify just recently announced their Shop app, which is an evolution of their delivery app. And that has huge implications for enabling small and medium-sized businesses to do e-commerce. And more importantly, not just for them to be the back end, but the front end to people buying directly. Well, for the big players, it's a funnel. It's an ad that's distributed in you know thousands or millions of places that their app supports. So imagine every restaurant that's listed on Yelp having a Yelp ad that's not only a sticker that has the Yelp logo on it, but is actually embedded with a URL that deep links to that restaurant's listing on Yelp. It's a much better user experience, but it's an incredible growth hack for the big apps as well. Yeah. In many ways, this move from Apple to me also feels like a really strong defensive move. Like as you see more of these large apps with high distribution, with really engaged user bases, with high mindshare, high timeshare, as more of them start to explore this idea of a super app, it could put at risk the likelihood that people are going to the app store first to experience these new third-party apps versus experiencing it first inside whatever app tries to become a super app. I talk about super apps a lot. It's basically an app that has a really engaged user base, large distribution, and is able to use that distribution and lead gen for other types of businesses and services that seem tangentially or even completely unrelated from the primary product. Apps that really understand they're selling not a particular use case, but understand that customer and what their needs are. An example could be you use a food ordering app, but you also use that app perhaps to book hotel rooms or you use a ride hailing app and you also use that app to order food. As long as they can offer an experience that's maybe even 80% better than if the user goes to a separate website, that's saving the user time, right? Because again, when you're on that mobile screen, it's not like you have a browser where you can open 20, 30 tabs at once. It's far more annoying to have that tab experience on the phone. And so the more that you can keep people inside your app by taking away all the extra web pages they have to click through to achieve a goal, the more you're saving the user time. And so Apple, by launching these app clips, is protecting themselves against a future where more apps attempt to become super apps. Along those lines, I actually spent several hours watching all the technical videos. And one of the interesting things was that Apple was actually encouraging developers to merge more features into one app because then they could use app clips to distribute those micro features, even across different verticals. So you could have all the restaurants in one app with different app clips. But even if you're also making apps for restaurants, hotels, and another service, you could even have all those inside one major app now and just have app clips for each of the different tasks that people might use them for. So I'm not sure how the super app ecosystem will work in the US, if ever, but it's interesting kind of this idea that you might have micro apps that also may have been separate apps in the past that then fit into bigger apps one of the interesting things about the app clip code specifically is that if you actually do have the main app, it'll just take you to that specific place in the main app. So it won't actually download a separate app clip for you. It'll just act as a deep link into the main app, into that specific workflow. So 
it is a tool for getting new users, but it's also a tool for existing users to jump right into the place in the app where they need to be at the time. So Connie made the point that this is sort of a defensive move on Apple's part. And you're making the point, Dan, that it's actually not only a defensive move, but actually a bit of a proactive move. So now my question is, what does it mean for discovery? Because the whole value there, you guys have both alluded to it, is it inverts the model from discovery only within the app store to discovery from the world. But honestly, people have been talking about this for decades. They brought it up a lot in the context of QR codes, and that didn't really ever take off. I mean, there was all these amazing efforts to like tag physical locations and bring them into our digital world. I'd love to hear you guys convince me harder. I mean, if Apple's good at one thing, it's taking something that is somewhat obscure or a niche activity and making it really mainstream. So perhaps they will, through great product design, but also through marketing and advertising. There's one major difference that we have to highlight on Apple App Clips, which is it's just for iOS. If you build something on WeChat, the reason why developers can build a mini program before they even go build the app is because you know the vast, vast majority of people in China can access it. Now you have over 200 million people using one every single day. So I get very skeptical when people talk about China because the scale is so huge. It's like, you can always say something is big and used by so many people. What would you say beyond the number of people using it or how actively they're using it? How would you describe the penetration in China? I mean, WeChat mini programs is now significantly more accepted in China. But I think the bigger thing is, If you walk down the street in Beijing and Shanghai, you will see QR codes or codes around you. There's so many examples of every kind of poster, every kind of flyer, bus stops, buses, and so forth. You will see these kinds of codes, these shortcuts in your everyday physical world. It's like you can go to the restaurant, you can order and pay. That's a given. But you can also see like a piece of paper on that restaurant that says they're hiring. You can scan it and in one click, you can apply for that job. You can see another poster for a band that's playing at that coffee shop. And with one click, you can buy a ticket for their next concert. I mean, imagine a tube of toothpaste. They can have a code on it, right? There's all kinds of things that you can now stick codes on. I have a fun example to share. Just yesterday, I got an email from a company that creates virtual backgrounds where they put a QR code in your background. And so you can even imagine cases where you see these codes on TV, on commercials, on your virtual background. And you can say, okay, if you saw a code on my background, maybe you scan it, you can add me on LinkedIn, you can add me on Twitter, you can tweet a specific thing that maybe I pre-populate, who knows? But just think of these as little bookmarks of specific actions that can now be dropped all over the things that we see with our eyes. I love that. It made me go back to the gaming context as well. In the case of Snap Minis, what's really interesting is that they're using the equivalent of mini programs there to enable gaming in messaging. For instance, you can actually pull a friend into like a battle with you by sending them an action. And that's sort of a low end of the market way of attacking cloud gaming. So that's sort of something we talked about in the previous episode. So bottom line it for me, like what's the takeaway, how people should think about this news? Yeah. I would encourage folks who traditionally didn't have an app with tons and millions of users to think about what this could mean for their businesses. If you are a small restaurant, if you are a small retail store, if you are a plumber, an electrician, what are ways that you can eventually use more technology in a very low friction way to do more things with your audience? 
To me, this is all about speed. The same way you'd listen to a podcast to get caught up on the news, this is, can I get one thing done very quickly so that I actually do it? Apps are incredible. You know, phones are people's primary computers in a lot of cases, and apps open so many worlds, but they do add friction. They slow things down. And if you can get one thing done very quickly, and that thing is material to a business or to your happiness, this might make it happen. Thank you both for joining this episode of 16 Minutes. Thank you. Thank you.